0: Oh, well, before we get the message, you know, um heard of this couple that was going uh, to Nacogdoches, Louisiana, but they got to arguing about how you pronounce that as they got into the town. And uh, they got to disagree, and so they finally stopped at a place, and, and a youth pastor happened to be, uh, you know, wearing a big name tag, youth pastor, standing in a, in a Burger King. They said, let's just ask him. He looks like he's from around here. And uh, so they went up and asked him. I'm just picking on you. I'm picking on youth pastors tonight. Uh... So they go up and said, "Hey, would you t- would you slowly pronounce where we're at? Because me and my wife are arguing about a pronunciation. Will you slowly pronounce the place we're at?" And uh, this youth pastor leaned over and goes, "Burger King." <laughs> <laughs> There's a child who asked his father. He said, uh, "Hey," um, he said uh, he asked his father. He said, um, "How were how were people born?" So his father said, "Well, Adam and Eve." You know, they had the first children, and from that, from that line, God um, populated, uh, God helped them populate the earth. And so he was a little bit fuzzy on that. He went to his mom, and his mom obviously is different belief system than dad, and said, well, we were monkeys, and we evolved into people. And so the son went back to his dad, ran back to his dad, said, you lied to me, you know, trusting his mom was telling the truth, and uh, told what his mom said. He says, no, she was just talking about her side of the family. And there's this elderly couple. They were, uh, they they went to the doctor because they were really uh, having some troubles. And the doctor said, "Well, you're you're starting to lose your memory. You need to make start writing stuff down, that'll help you. You got to start writing it down." And so <coughs> they went home, and the wife sitting there and said, "Boy, I just like some ice cream." And she told her husband, and he said, well, "I'll go get it." So we'll write it down. We'll start down. He goes, "No, I can remember. You need ice cream." Pretty soon she said, "You know what? Actually, I want whipped topping on ice cream. Whipped topping." She said, "You better write it down. It's getting more complicated." "No, no, I got it." Finally, she kept going, next thing you know, those sprinkles, there's cherry on top, and kept saying, you better write it down. No. But he was gone in the kitchen for a long time. She finally said, what's taking so long? He said, I'm almost done. I'm right there. And walks in, he's got um, bacon and eggs. And she looked at that, and she goes, where's the toast? <laughs> See, those three were actually not jokes. They were tests for who needs marriage counseling. So uh, I was having somebody write down names. All, all you men and ladies that laughed, we're going to have to get you some counseling. Someone asked, is Google male or female? And uh, one smart aleck uh, uh, husband said a female because it doesn't let you finish a sentence before making a suggestion. Um, Oh, that was bad. Yeah, yeah, see, now nobody's going to (laughs) laugh. All right, well, maybe we better just get in the message because it's going downhill fast. I started thinking about recently that I'd maybe get back to the, um, get back to, it, with January coming on, just thinking about New Year's resolutions, and, and uh, just kind of crazy thoughts today. And I was thinking about how when I was a kid, you know, uh, my mom always tried to get us to be so proper and not to say things that were out of, out of uh, context of, of the setting you're in. And So, you know, when you went to the restroom, you always referenced number one or number two. And, uh, you know, it, I can't remember what we call it, but some people say going to the john. And I thought I'm going to call it going to the gym. That way, uh, when I talk about having to get up early in, th- in the morning and I have to go to the gym, it sounds better. <laughs> All right, okay, you guys, I tell you, Wednesday nights, I guess it's because some people get off work and um, just not in a laughing mood. All right, so I'm going to try not to sniffle too much of the mic. We've been on the series of Angel Ministry. I'm getting the scowl from my mom. That's the same look I used to get from the piano when she played the piano and, and look at me. <laughs> And I was doing the same thing I used to do, trying not to look that direction. Um, if you want to turn in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 9, what I'm doing is, is some of the uh, different um, sermons and commentaries I looked at when I went into this um, series because, like I said, you won't find a ton of... Um, if you go on... There's websites for, like, uh, uh, sermons, and you go and put in angels. There's just not really a ton of sermons on angels. So a lot of ministers don't really do many teachings on that. But... Um, uh, tonight I'm actually combining a couple of uh, uh, sermons from a series, and, and and both of them focused on ministry in reference to angels. We're going to do a little flip flop. We're going to first talk about um, how we actually minister to angels, and then we're going to learn a little bit about how minister uh, angels minister us. It's a good bounce off of last week because we got into that a little bit about angels go to church. We said they're very curious about they're very curious about our relationship with God, and we'll talk a little more in depth about that tonight. But 1 Corinthians chapter 4, um, verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9 in the SV, For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. The Bible teaches that we, as members of the body Christ, that we minister to the angels. We talked about them, that they are ministers to us through, through God, but I want to flip that around, that we minister to them. Um, everyone in this room who has made a decision to follow Christ, who is a Christ follower, you minister to angels. And we minister to them whether we realize it or not. Angels are actually learning things about God by watching us. So I want you to put your thinking caps on tonight. I'm going to sound like a teacher because this is going to be a little more teachy than preachy tonight. Um, but I want you to put your thinking caps on. I do want you to have opportunity. I'll keep moving because I do have a lot to cover. But if we need to discuss something or you got some uh, ideas, we, we can certainly take time for that. But angels are watching us. Um, oh, on your sheet. I'm going to also try to remember because I've got it color-coded to give you. But that first... Fill in the blank. Their angels are watching us. Maybe I need to turn this into like bingo. We could do like Catholic Church does. I could have door prizes, you know, if you once you get all the answers. Maybe I don't tell you that what the answers are and you have to figure it out. You know. Man, I tell you, tough crowd tonight. Bill's smiling. I got one in the front here smiling. All right. So It's a nervous smile. You nervous for me? <laughs> What happens when you are on a church board? <laughs> you sit up front just in case you have to run interference. So, <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, how would you live your life if you knew you're being watched all the time? Uh, yeah, I mentioned this before when we put a camera system in the church. Some were like, "Oh, that's great, Pastor. Especially kids, kids workers. You know, in this day and time, it's nice to know that if something's said, kid gets hurt, you got video proof." But other people who don't have a role right now in the church. Um, I've had comments. That's creepy. I don't like being watched, you know, and those type of things. But but it does change how you're, you're um, acting, you know. I mentioned before, I used to go in my office before that, and if I needed to change a shirt before service, I did it. First few times I started doing that, I was like, oh, wait a minute, cameras, you know. But see, nobody was just looking at that. It was me and Nathan had access, you know, and so it wasn't anybody really looking at that, but still I was cognizant that I'm being recorded. So it changes, but how would you react knowing you're being watched all the time it's one thing for us to say that God is watching us all the time well here's the deal think about it from this angle it's actually a little more nerve wracking for me thinking about the angels watching me from a different perspective because God has grace right and so he loves us so it's like you know Lily Jean she's at the age where you know if the bathroom doors open she's going in there to use the restroom and I have be walk by dad can you close that door I need privacy you know and uh but you know, when we're at a real young age, there's this, you know, we don't think anything about our parent of the opposite sex, you know, because they change their diapers or whatever. You just get used to that. And so there's this idea that God as our Heavenly Father and, and uh, our relationship with Jesus is so intimate that, you know, we don't really think about being watched all the time by them. But angels who don't know everything, who are not um, all-knowing, watching us all the time. And so that can be a little bit Unnerving because they're watching us like the frozen caveman to figure out our relationship with God. So, how would you live your life knowing that you're being watched all the time? I didn't really watch the whole movie because it's just a little weird for me, but I know that the gist of it. But there's a movie, Jim Carrey, and it may not have been a good one to watch anyway. I don't know, but The Truman Show, this is a long time ago that came out. The whole premise of the movie is he eventually finds out that it's like he's living on a show, it's being watched all the time, and times he didn't think he'd be watched. Um, Next, next thing, number A, our letter A on there is we cannot see them in this age. We cannot see them in this age. They exist in another dimension, so we can't see them in this age. Now, that doesn't mean they don't appear. And we know that because we covered that. and We have also, on Sunday and other times, we've been talking about appearance of angels. But we don't see them all the time. Uh, from Scripture, we don't know for sure, but it's very likely angels are sitting in this room right now and we don't see them you might be sitting on one of them's lap. Like, good grief, I was here first, and they had to move, you know? They're going to come up and get their little invisible pillow crocheted with their name on it and put it in their seat. Um, Some of you that grew up in church, and especially in more traditional churches, you'll get that. But uh, B, they can see us. They can see us, though. There'll be numerous scriptural references, and I'm sorry if I go a little fast. If you... If you're wanting to keep up with these, you can jot them down, but I'm, I'm probably not going to wait for everybody to turn there. Uh, 1 Timothy 5.21 in the ESV says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. In the presence of God and, the, and of Christ Jesus and the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. In other words, you should be concerned about what the angels see. As well as uh, God and Jesus, you should be concerned about what the angels see because they are watching. Paul tells Timothy, there are three reasons to do what I've told you to do here. God is watching, Jesus is watching, and the angels are watching. There's a pastor of a very small church who ran like 15 to 20 people, and, and the story goes that you know, he worked uh, numerous hours preparing sermons, being very eloquent sermons and, and preached his heart out. And sometimes when there was a few people out, he'd have five to 10. His wife finally says, why don't you take a little break? Why do you work so hard that There's just a few people? He said, uh, "He said you're forgetting the large audience I actually have. And then he quoted her, this verse in 1 Corinthians 4, 9, for I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, Like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. So this next fill in the blanket, the word spectacle literally means for public show. For public show. Now the apostles, we, we hear that for public show, and it may have a little negative feeling to it. They're using it in a positive. It's in a positive light. We're made as spectacles. And this word here, spectacle, is translated in the Greek as spectron, which is used interchangeably with theatron. In the Greek, theatron is theater. So you've got this idea of theater. And, and good job, Nathan. <laughs> I didn't even see that up there. <laughs> but yeah, so theatron, thea- theater. So it's, it's um, giving you this idea of like a, we are on a big presentation, like we're on a stage, we're in a theater. Our lives being presented before the hosts of angels. And Jesus and God. Acts 19.29 in the ESV says, So the city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristocrestus, (laughs) big name Macedonians, Macadamias, um, who were Paul's companions in travel. Just wait till I go for my master's and they make me actually be able to pronounce all this, right? All right. But back to the previous verse, we are made a theater to the angels. We're, we're made a spectacle. Um, at a pre- professional baseball game, you think about that in the big stadiums. There's men on the field. They, there are going be 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 people observing. And the players are making a spectacle of themselves. In a positive light, they're making a spectacle of themselves. They're, they're hoping to do something spectacular. Same word used, spectacular, a spectacle. There, there's this feeling of trying to create awe and, and grabbing attention. And So the angels are curious creatures. The next fill in the blank. The angels are curious, curious creatures. I believe the Bible gives us the idea that they're scrutinizing our lives. They're, they're paying close attention. Angels have a different nature than we have, and that's part of what makes them curious about us. If there's no difference between them and us, they'd be able to relate a little more, right? And there wouldn't be the curiosity that we give, get a feeling from from Scripture. So there are angels among us, and they are no doubt in this very room, as the Scripture indicates, that they're always around us and that there's some reason God wants us to be aware of them because he's included in Scripture. Scripture tells us all word is good for teaching and correcting and, and so we know that the fact that the Bible is teaching us, the angels are all around, they're watching us, they're curious of us, that is a healthy part of our teaching for our lives in understanding God and his creation, his kingdom. The next fill in the blank, number two, angels are learning about God's wisdom by observing us. Angels are learning about God's wisdom by observing us. They're heavenly beings. As we mentioned before, they're created before us, yet they were not always, as God has been always uh, in existence, they had a beginning. And God has not shared with them everything about us, so there is a curiosity. Um, the next film blank, they are not omniscient, which is O-M, just think omni, O M O M N I S C I E N T omniscient means that they're limited in their knowledge. They're, they're not, omniscient would be if they knew all, but they're limited in their knowledge. But they have a capacity to learn. Isn't that an interesting thing? You know, we know that they're very different than us in a lot of aspects, but they have the capacity to learn. Otherwise, Satan could not have learned about pride. There wouldn't have been an aptitude to take on a different, a different attitude, uh, a different idea than what he had already been given. Not robots. They're not programmed. Yes, well, well, they do. And we know that there is hate. Satan expresses hate. We know that as angels, they express joy when someone uh, is born in the kingdom. Like tonight, uh, when, the, when this young boy accepts Christ, uh, when, that, when there's a heartfelt accepting of Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we know that the angels rejoice. So, yes, um, they, they express emotion. Um, but there are things that they have not experienced and do not fully understand. First um, Peter chapter 1, verses 10, 11, and 12 says, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicate, indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have not that have now been announced to you through those things who preach the those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look talking about the gospel and in the, the uh, this whole mystery of how this came about and the good news and and how it was revealed revealed to man and and all this. And so they look into this. They're curious. See the prophets. The prophets didn't understand fully about this. It seemed that they were writing about two different messiahs. Um, we're talking about when it comes to the salvation message. Um, because in part it sound, seemed like they were writing about uh, one that suffers. And then one would be glorious. And you know that's where I think some uh, of the Jewish people still will stand and say that the messiah uh, the real Messiah has still has not come. That, that Jesus was not the true Messiah. Because when you look at the, ol, the old writings, it, it, it references in some that a Messiah that's going to suffer and one that will be glorious. But they're writing for future generations to understand, uh, understand uh, which is us. And today we know there's only one Messiah. He both suffered and is glorious. and He will be victorious. He suffered, but he will be victorious and glorious. But here's our point for tonight. Even the angels didn't understand, and so they look into it. They, don't, they didn't understand, so they look into it. So God doesn't share all the details of his plan with his heavenly servants and the angels. We know there's some things that Jesus, there's at least one thing, Jesus doesn't know himself, the Son of God, and that's the hour in which God will send him back, because only the Father knows. You know, so there's, there's, this is a very curious thing when you think about it, that God, God is a great secret keeper, really. I mean, he's able to keep some secrets even from those in the heavenly hosts that are are there and residing with him. They are simply to do their job. I mean, it's not that they're robots. Like we said, they have feelings, they have curiosities, but they have orders to carry out. And they are very much, that is the task um, ahead of them, is to serve us and to be ready for the return of Christ. Uh, The next fill in blank, they are curious of what they don't understand. They're curious what they don't understand. But here's the thing. We have the Holy Spirit speaking things directly from the Father to our hearts. So that's, what, that's one thing when we talked about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, one of the purposes of that, when you begin to pray in a heavenly language, Satan can't understand what's being said. It's not a prayer that he can interrupt or understand. It's, it's a communion of the Holy Spirit speaking through you directly to God. In times, ta- we, we know um, from Scripture that in times when you don't know how to pray, that, that, you're, um, that through groanings and, and those mumblings and those things that the Holy Spirit speaks through you're communing directly with God through the Holy Spirit. And so one thing about angels, they don't even, aren't even privy to everything that we, they pray to God because if we're praying in the Spirit, they aren't even privy to that. Now, I believe God can illuminate that to them, can make them aware, but... Um, so, uh, truly we are a privileged people to live in the day in which we do where, where um, God has uh, made a way possible for not only us to go into the Holy Holies because of the new covenant through Jesus dying on the cross for us, but also that he sent the comfort of the Holy Spirit to be able to speak through us directly with him, to commune with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7-8 through eight in the ESV says, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of our God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had they would have not crucified the Lord of glory so these um, there there's a reference to uh, these uh, in some uh, in some translations of princes um, it might be the princes of the air or uh, it's obviously talking about demonic angels or a reference to Satan as a, as a fallen angel. And uh, had they known, it's basically saying that scripture, had they known the impact Jesus' crucifixion would have had on this world, they wouldn't, I'm not going to say they could stop it, they would have done everything they could to have stopped it. They never would have allowed it to happen if they could. Uh, it was Satan and his demons who put into the heart of mankind to kill Jesus. You know, even though it was God's plan, it wasn't God killing Jesus. It was Satan and the demons putting in the heart of man to kill him. Judas's heart was turned against God, and that was the heart that led them to capture Jesus to to sell him out. So uh, they were the inspiration. Um, the Satan and the demons were the inspiration, but God was using them to fulfill His higher purpose that He never uh, let them in on. So God had kept that a secret from from the demons and from Satan, that that was his plan. And did you know what Satan, we can imagine what Satan did the moment Jesus died? Uh, Carmen, some of you are familiar with Carmen, uh, who's been a a gospel artist for many, many decades, (laughs) several decades. But he had uh, Carmen the champion, and he gives us a song or a depiction of what it must been like, and he he puts it in the... um, in reference to like a a big boxing match with a big arena and Satan and Jesus are boxing and 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 Satan uh, finally knocks Jesus down for the count but God starts counting backwards 10 9 And then their seats are saying wait a minute God you're counting wrong and so the idea is that that Satan thinks he's taking out Jesus for the count for good this is he's killing the Son of God this is awesome the Messiah he's running all this prophecy But in fact, he's he's helping to fulfill it. Um, So we believe from what scripture that Satan must rejoice when Jesus died. And for three days, he must dance on the grave of Jesus. And hell went on holiday and Satan declared victory. But what he, he and his angels did not understand is that they unwittingly had performed the will of God, the fallen angels and Satan. So the devil had no idea how far reaching the effects would be of this. Uh, he wasn't privy to know this was the new covenant being ushered in, that this would make a way for the once and final for all sacrifice, that it would be much harder for him because there were so many other ways he could under the old covenant discourage people because it cost them money from their livestock. you know, we've got this free gift of grace. So he would have never imagined how perfectly God was laying this out. Satan had declared victory, but what, what they didn't understand is they'd Helped with the will, will of God. And so the devil, not knowing how far reaching this would be, that's why the cross today is an embarrassing memory for him. It's an embarrassing memory for him. There is no sports team who have lost like the, the, the World Series or the whatever, you know, have lost a world championship that was televised all over, who wants to go back and continue to watch the replay of that. They want to be reminded about the time that they were one point away from winning the world championship you know the winning team they sure they want to revel it forever Um, you know if I could just go back to that day and I could win state or whatever you know that's that's what they would uh, but but the devil doesn't want to be reminded of that so the cross is is an embarrassing memory for him Uh, it was the cross that Satan was led he was led into an ambush he was made to look stupid he was made to look powerless he, he was rendered powerless in that, in that situation. Uh, lost the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He, he couldn't even make the final decision when man could die. Um, so this very thing he thought would guarantee his victory would actually guarantee his defeat. And so Satan thought he had brought the death of, to God, but actually God was winning the victory over death, grave, and hell itself. So hang with me because... We're building something here. I want you to to follow with me here. See, why is this so significant that Satan played right into uh, into God's hands? Why is this significant? Because the original conflict between God and Satan was a conflict over wisdom. Remember all the way back to the garden. What was the ploy about eating the fruit? Die, but what was the first... What was what was the tree? I, br- I brought this up a couple times. Knowledge of good and evil. Knowledge, knowledge. So someone said over power, but it was not. Satan knew he didn't have more power than his creator. It would be fruitless to ever try to stand on that strategy, to have a to have an eternal strategy, to come against the armies of God based on the fact that I was going to outpower them. He knew that God at any time, and we see over and over again in and, and the miracles God performed that Satan couldn't match God's power and his display of power. He knew he couldn't do that. And so he never claimed to be more powerful than God. Satan never does that. What he claims to be was wiser than God. He believed that he could do more with his power and great wisdom. And, and, and you see, God could do more with power and His uh, more uh, God could do more with more power and his limited wisdom. And so Satan, but Satan's boast was, I know better. No secret can be hidden from me. You see, this is why we say that Jesus, the son of God, could show up on the scene live in the flesh, live in the human flesh, proclaim who he is, do miracles to try to prove, show the power, right? And people still would not believe. Because man is really, even though we think we're after power, no, we're after knowledge. That's why the atheist is on this mission. He, he can't just live his life as an atheist, just him and be happy with leaving it that. He's got to convince others. That, that's what, what it's all about, is about knowledge, gaining more knowledge. You think about the, the knowledge war for, for, um, between countries, the intelligence war, the CIA and all this. It's the knowledge. The knowledge, they say knowledge is power. Knowledge is the real power. And so God used the prophets and gave all the facts. Prophets have a lot of power because they can speak on behalf of God and it happens just like it is and it removes the unbelief. And Satan has to try to combat that. Try to imagine combating when a prophet says, hey, if you don't turn from God, your city is going to crumble, your walls are going to fall down, and this is how it's going to happen. And they don't turn and they fall down. Those people are all believers then, right? They may, they may never commit their whole life, but they can never ever say that they haven't seen they ha- don't have knowledge that God is alive so um, God get used the prophets and gave all the facts but it was uh, but this whole thing shroud in ministry it's, it's like God says I'm so much wiser than you I can spell it all out for you and you still won't uh, be able to defeat me you know uh, Satan that's his weakness is he can't figure out God's plan he doesn't have the wisdom that God has the prophets didn't understand God's revelation the disciples too didn't understand uh, they were in hiding for those three days of the crucifixion and as far as they were thinking their leader had been killed and before his death Jesus spelled it out clearly for Peter saying I'm going to die three days later I'm going to rise again and Peter said not so Lord And even the angels didn't understand God's master plan, nor did Satan and his angels. Bible says that the word of God will be foolishness to those who don't believe. It seemed like foolishness. You see, you see, knowledge is where the real power is. That if people open their heart up, you can't just tell somebody what the word of God says if you're not living it because the knowledge that you have, you can tell it to them, but it has no power if it's not being lived out. Now, I'm not saying God's word doesn't have power on its own, stand alone, apart from you. I'm saying that it's meant to be lived out. And so when it becomes a part of you and it's really heartfelt and you're living it out before others, there's power to it because the knowledge is where they can actually see it at work. So Peter says, no, not so, Lord. And even the angels didn't understand God's master plan, nor did Satan and his fallen angels. So the cross is the focal point of God's master plan. And it stands today as a testimony not only of God's power, but of his wisdom. And just as God's wisdom is exalted through his awesome plan, Satan's lack of wisdom, by comparison, is made a spectacle for the ages. So this answers two major questions. Why does Satan hate us, believers, so much? Roaming about like a lion to devour us, why does he hate us so much? What did we do to him? The second thing is we are fruit growing on that tree that was supposed to be the end of his competition with God. In the next fill in blank, we are a reminder of his embarrassing loss on that day. We are a reminder of his embarrassing loss on that day. We're the trophy that was lost. The championship for all ages, the final story, he now knows, because it's revealed in God's word, how it ends for him. And he knows he loses the world championship. And so we are the trophy that's lost. We're always there, shining. Those that accept him, you know, the light of Jesus shining through us, we're like this big, golden, shining, illuminated trophy sitting on the stand that he can never touch. He can never take away. Bible says he no one, even Satan himself, can't snatch us from his hand. We can decide to jump off that trophy shelf and shatter to the ground on our own because we have free will, but Satan himself can't reach into the trophy stand and take us off. So that is why he hates us. Why are the angels following us around? Because they know nothing, next fill in blank, because they know nothing of the grace and wisdom of God and his redemptive salvation. You see, they're watching the big game being played out. They're watching this. They see the trophy there and they see Satan doing all this stuff and like, but he knows he can't have the trophy. This is the worst loser in all of history. All of existence of anything beyond God. This is the worst loser. God God of everything he created, Satan, he just is a bad sport because he knows he can't win. He knows he can't have it. All he wants to do is just try to make it as miserable as you can for the winner. And so the angels, this is pretty fascinating to them. They've seen this all play out. They've been created. Like I said, there's no, no indication that more were created later, so there's a good chance every angel created exists now has seen this whole thing play out. And and that some of them served alongside Satan when he was Lucifer, right? So it was one of their old teammates that turned to the other side, right? star wars reference but you know he turned to the dark side right Ooh, i'm your father and so they were with him and they know and so this is a big deal okay listen this tells me that there's probably a little more to angels i think that they have a little prone uh tendency to like gossip uh, okay not gossip that's bad reference but you know how we get curious when there's something juicy oh did you hear did you hear well, it's not gossip because they all know they're watching what's happening, but they're kind of like, oh, man, I just—how long is this going to go on, man? God's just letting him hang himself. He just keeps going further. He's hanging himself worse, and they're just waiting for it to all uh, play out. So there's this curiosity. They want—they are—they have a task to interact with us, to minister us, to do all this. So, so while they're involved in this, it's this great mystery to them. I mean, look at this. If we mess up, we get sent down. There's no redemption. There's nothing boom, we're out of heaven. We've seen it happen, right? God didn't give them a chance for redemption. He didn't send Jesus to die for the fallen angels. But these weird people who sometimes don't even love him back, who don't give him an attention, and they do all this stuff, and he's always having to redirect the planet to, to be able to save them, you know, and he's always doing this stuff, and they, they seem to not get it half the time, but he loves them so much that he's doing everything he can to try to make a way for them be redeemed so they know nothing about this grace and this wisdom and they know no forgiveness they they they're more curious than ever and just as we are about them and they know the power of god all too well but they are still learning about his manifold wisdom can't imagine how hard it is to know how powerful god is in the real sense they watch it happen all the time and then see the stuff we do right so they're ministering to us I pick on Bill or somebody. I don't know. I pick on Bill a lot. I pick on Branson. You know, angels are watching Branson. God's got him on his tail. They're tailing him, right? And Branson is running late to get back to New Beginnings because Ken is relentless. Branson, where are you at? We need you back here. Hey son, what do I pay you for? Get back here, right? And Branson starts stepping on the pedal, right? And he's in the twelve-passenger van. It's empty, so there's no kids are harmed. No kids are harmed in this illustration. So don't worry about it. And. You know, he's coming up down here through Centerton, he gets past the Centerton police, thank goodness, that's a whole nother thing. And then he gets out and he starts hitting that curve out there and he's just stomping on it, right? And he's coming, getting on two wheels, coming out. And those angels are like pushing on the van, like, Oh, good grief. If you only knew what God had planned for you later, why are you taking these chances? You know? And they're they're keeping him safe. And and so Branson doesn't see any of this and they're thinking, you know, this life is but a flash. You're in such a hurry. Well, slow down. It goes fast enough. You know, and this is, this is the kind of life, can you imagine? That's their duty is that they're, they're, they're ministering and they're protecting and they're doing all these things. And so they're acting and they're having to watch that knowing, seeing the power of God and knowing what he can do and knowing the power he's given them and then watching us live out our lives. So you start thinking about some things you do and think about the angels, what they must be reacting to around that, knowing you're being watched all the time and it might change your perspective on what you're doing. So, Ephesians 3, 9, and 10 says, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might uh, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. It might be known. And to bring to light everyone. The mysteries, they... It's part of God's plan for the angels to learn, to see this unfold. The angels learn by the church as they watch not only our services, but our daily lives as part of the body. They can see God's wisdom unfolding in his master plan step by step. I can't imagine, it must be fun for them when I when, uh, you know, have those moments, like you probably have those moments where you let the Holy Spirit start guiding you and all of a sudden he speaks through you and you see your life just change. You see people break and, and maybe lives mended back together. And the angels are just like, this is so cool. I mean, these people are such a mess. That they, 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 they do stupid stuff. They stink sometimes. You know, they've got all kinds of problems. And, and then God, the Heavenly Father, just will like work through them through his spirit. So they must be just totally blown away sometimes. The question is, do you see his wisdom working in your life? Do you see the same things the angels are seeing? Are you allowing yourself or your eyes to be open to how magnificent and how wonderful that these things are? And, and how are you doing in your ministry to the angels, right? What are they seeing of you? Your angel ministry, how, how is your teaching going? Or are, 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 are they learning from you, whether good or bad, success or failure, But what are they learning about God's grace and wisdom from you? Do they see you standing in Christ and living a life of victory? Do they see you walking in the flesh and carnality or or in worldliness? What do they see? So, no, we're not going to um, please the angels. We're not trying to please them. You know, we don't pray to the angels. uh, We don't have a responsibility to them spiritually to them. We do to to Jesus, to to our, our Savior but not to the angels, but still, it, as Scripture indicates, it should concern us what they see. We are to focus on Christ who is watching, and we know that he is looking, but it doesn't hurt to have some added motivation. Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which cling so closely, and to let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I like that verse because now after doing the study, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know what? When I complain, it's like they're standing there saying, CJ, come on, grab a hold of who you are in Christ. You know, your knee hurts, your knee hurts, but that body's not going to last anyway. But your spirit, man, God has got given you a strong spirit. And, and stand up tall, you know. You got a mission today. Don't worry about what you can't do today because God is working through you. You know, these angels are, are, are excited about we are players on that field. They, they want to see us succeed because they have the same um, desire as God has about us that the kingdom win. So I, I want us in the last 15 minutes, I, I, we're going to kind of flop now. I told you we'd flop. And this is angels in the church age. This is a little more on how they ministered us. In Colossians one through 24-27, this is Paul's ministry of the church. Um, I want to describe a little bit about Paul before we go further. But now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the wor- word of God fully known that the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to the saints. Verse 27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his, this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The whole thing saying, this thing about Christ living you, it's a great mystery, it's a great thing, it's something for the ages, and Paul has been charged. Basically, he is the one who is to, to help us to understand through his writings um, these mysteries about Christ living in us revelations 2 and 3 talk about the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks and this uh, angels in context are the pastors the messengers the leaders the not literal angels but angels are present in the angels are present in the church age and still very important but on a very different level than any other disp- dispensation any other time the the apostle paul was the apostle of the Gentiles, as we learn in Romans eleven thirteen. But one of the most important things I want you to understand about Paul as we move forward back on angels, the next fill in the blank is Paul was considered the apostle of doctrine for the New Testament church believers. Apostle of doctrine. That is uh, the next uh, fill in the blank. Apostle of doctrine. The reason that's important is we talk about Paul being a missionary who started the New Testament church. But... You really look at him as apostle of doctrine because there's so much Paul covers that's for the good of the church, for us to to navigate through problems in the church, uh, through problems as believers that uh, spring up between believers. And so uh, he's known as the apostle of doctrine. But um, he wrote directly to the church age saints, uh, Colossians 1, 24 through 27 uh, is an indicator there. Romans eleven thirteen. 13, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I, I, um, I magnify the, uh, my office. Uh, Paul wrote 13 books to the church-age saints, in Romans through Philemon. Um, there are about 15 references to angels in all of Paul's epistles. Uh, epistles are basically letters sent by apostles, not, not the apostles' wives, or not the epistles, but letters sent to the, by the apostles. Uh, in the Old Testament, there are well over 100 references to angels. Uh, in Matthew through Acts, there are at least 73 references to angels. And in Hebrews through Revelation, there are at least 87 references to angels, mostly in Revelation. So the ministry of angels is not emphasized as much during the church age as other periods of time. Um, not, only this, not only this, but at Paul's reference to the angels, there were never... Uh, said to be ministering to us. So you remember, there's over 250 total in the Bible references to angels, and so it's not the heaviest time. Um, but we see this difference that uh, they're ministering to us, but they are um, not as often the messengers like they were in others, um, are, are not the ones giving guidance. But, so we look into God's word and this number one, angels are seen giving instruction and understanding especially in the Old Testament, but they're seen given instruction and understanding. This is various ministries that the angels have performed, uh, and then we will compare it to the church age, but we see a lot of them uh, ministering in instruction and understanding. An angel instructed Hagar to return to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 16, 7 and 9. Um, this is the first reference to an angel in the Bible. Um, then the book of Zechariah is a perfect example of an angel, which we covered on Zechariah on Sunday. Uh, angel giving instruction. We know this is the uh, birth of John the Baptist, right? Precursor to um, pointing the way to the Messiah, to Jesus being born. In Daniel 10, Daniel sought for understanding, and an angel appears three weeks later to give Daniel answers to his questions. Um, we also know Joseph was uh, mystified when Mary said, she is pregnant of the Holy Ghost, and then an angel gave him understanding. And your next fill in the blank, here's the next uh, fact we need to understand. is our, our question we need to answer is, do angels give us instruction and understanding in this present church age? So this is where some denominations, or some teachings may differ, is, do they still give us instructions? Do they still interact in the same way in our present church age as they used to? Well, here's the thing. I don't know that we can say that they don't or not because I don't know that God has said they will not do this. But, but here's something that changed differently um, when we get further in the New Testament on, on angels' roles is that we don't really need them to do that in the new church age. See, there's a difference in necessity from the Old Testament and what we need in the New Testament. I'm going to explain that. See, this is what Paul, the apostle of doctrine to the church says. Romans 8.26, he confirms our weakness and need for understanding. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray, for we are as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We have another resource. See, God gives us the Holy Spirit who teaches and instructs us and helps us who's guide us and and to place understanding. Um, I won't read all, but 1 Corinthians uh, 2, 9 through 14. uh, uh, What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. And it goes on talking about the Spirit. So the next fill in blank is the Spirit is much better than an angel. The Holy Spirit being able to speak through us and to us directly and being able to enter the Holy of Holies with the new covenant, there's not the need in the same way as the angel of the Lord appearing before Jesus died on the cross. So Mary, Zechariah, what we talked on Sunday and what we're going to finish up on next Sunday, the idea is, is that out of, it's, it was more out of necessity before. as part of God's plan. There was more of a need for the angels to come with the instruction and guidance. Not saying they won't still appear, but in different role or capacity because of necessity. We, we have the Holy Spirit. So Paul teaches that the believer is in Christ and Christ is in the believer, and that and in Christ uh, are hid the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And that's how we can have understanding. Remember, as of the scripture, we can understand it because the Holy Spirit is illuminating scripture to us. The unbeliever, it's foolishness. You see this whole pattern? The knowledge, the power, how the angels interact. It's all about us connecting with God. Every part of it is connecting with God. And so the angels only fill the role that is necessary and needed. Their missions make sense. God is a great strategist. He's not going to have the angels do busy work. So if they don't need to appear and do the same kind of function they used to, Then they're not. God doesn't waste his time or anybody else's. The Old Testament saints didn't have the indwelling of the Spirit of God, nor will those in the tribulation. But the Holy Spirit is the best teacher of the Word of God. After um, after all, he wrote it. So Paul teaches the believer is in Christ, and the Christ is in the believer. And we could look at, like, Colossians 127, to whom God would make known what is the riches of glory of of this mystery, among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Keeps mentioning the Gentiles because you got to keep in mind they're adopted into the family of God now through the new covenant. No more Jew, no more Gentile, male or female. We're all children of God. So we all have this availability now to God's knowledge and his wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 2.2, that their hearts might be conformed, being knit together in love, and to all riches, all of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and the Father and of Christ. So get ready. Here's your next fill in the blank. We are complete in Christ. And so we need no instruction of an angel. Now, I don't have the reference in front of me. There is a scripture that talks about that we no longer need to be instructed. And it's funny how some people have taken that as like, I don't have to go to church. I don't need any instruction. I don't need anybody telling me what to do anymore. That's not what it's saying, but we're complete in Christ. We, have the, we don't have all the knowledge and don't need to be taught anymore. But through Christ, we have a direct resource of all the knowledge that's needed. Sometimes he leads others to help us when we aren't getting it. So we have the completed word of God, which Paul says is for our instruction, and the Spirit uh, helps us understand it. So we said all this to say is that some church movements these days emphasize prophecies and revelations they claim God has given them outside of the word of God. And this is the foundational scriptural basis what we've just gone through uh, and talking about the wisdom all and that, that that is not the case. You can get in a lot of trouble in your walk with God when you start to open up that door that an angel can come appear to you and tell you something that's not, not going to line up with scripture and you've got a new revelation. It was kind of a popular thing for preachers for a while. I got a new revelation from God. No one else has ever heard this from God before. You're about to hear it for the first time. And I had a professor in Bible college who used to say, if it's old, it's not new. If, or if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. And he'd always say that. It's like, there's, there's nothing new uh, uh, that God has not already spelled out in Scripture. They usually say an angel gave them their vision or revelation. Um, They see it happening in Scripture, um, though not in the church age, and they say it has happened to them too. So they see that Revelation is given, you know, Scripture is all about God's revelation coming to man, and so they believe that somehow they can have something outside of Scripture still delivered to them. But we see that 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 job description of angels seems to have changed in the New Testament. There's not any more need for them to come and bring a new revelation that would have pertained to all Christians. So, you know, some have claimed they found the missing books of the Bible or other books God intended for us. Um, there's cults like Joseph Smith and the, and the angel Moroni um, in the Latter-day Saints, that they believe that he got the most latest revelation, and that's why they're only, the only true church. And they've got a whole lot of messed up ideas about the Scripture because of that one man who claimed that an angel named Moroni gave him the latest revelation for the church and it supersedes everything else. The New Age movement and many occultic groups talk of spirits and channeling and there's uh, angels involved, but I believe they're demonic ones. Uh, They're fallen angels. Uh, You know, and this isn't about picking on other denominations, but I'm just going to call out some things. They're just fact, and I'm just going to let it go from there. But Seventh-day Adventists were started through the visions of Ellen G. White, that church doctrine why they split off and became different in their beliefs and they believe that because we worship on Sundays that we're not a true church either that you have to worship on Saturdays and because of this revelation this vision she got this is why that they now separate themselves from the rest of the body of Christ and believe that they're only ones that are doing it right first Corinthians thirteen ten, but but when that which is perfect is come then that which is in part shall be done away with done away so well we have so much better than a vision or an angel we have the final word of god and the spirit of god guides us the holy spirit god knows everything he even knows when he's sending jesus back you stay in connect with god and his word the canon of scripture that is the best grounding you have there is no need for additional visions and revelations to now it's different angel came to me and said, you're going to go on the mission field and you're going to win thousands for the Lord or whatever. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when people say, God's given me a vision. Uh, he sent an angel and a revelation that all the church is wrong across the states and I'm going to start the only real church. You know, when you, you you hear those things and you know that there's probably something other than real angels, there's probably fallen angels that are, that are spurring that on. Um, so angels have a ministry of comfort in the Old Testament, such as Hagar, Daniel, in the lion's den. Three Hebrew children, you know, remember Daniel? They closed the mouths, the angels closed the mouths of the lions. Um, three Hebrew children, Shagrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're standing, getting ready to put in the fiery furnace. That one we actually know is son of God. So not necessarily angel, but they're, they're seeing another man who looks like the son of God in the furnace, and they're rescued. Uh, then in the New Testament, they comforted Jesus after he was tempted by Satan. But we have something far better to comfort us. It's the comforter himself. That's why Jesus said to wait on the comforter uh, before he ascended. And then the last few things as we wrap up, uh, John 14, verses 16 through 18. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the, sp- uh, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells within, dwells with you, and he will be with you in you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Saying, you, the rest of the world is not going to get it when they don't accept me, but you as believers, Holy Spirit lives in you, and I'm not leaving you. I'm leaving you, but I will come to you through the Holy Spirit. John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, from the Father will, uh, will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring you all things to your remembrance whatsoever I had said unto you. That means when you start to forget God's word, the Holy Spirit helps you remember what you've studied just at the right time. You ever had a scripture come to mind just at the right time? That's the Holy Spirit. That is that scripture living out in your life. You, you get ready to go through a difficult time and, and you remember the scripture, though I walk through the shallow, a valley of the shadow of death, right? So, you, so those things come to your memory because the Holy Spirit is ministering to you and revealing to you. John sixteen seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Man, it's so hard to imagine why Jesus would say this. The Son of God, the one we accept his sacrifice to be saved, to go to heaven for all eternity. Yet he's saying, it's really good that I'm going away. Because the Holy Spirit reacts and interacts differently. Has a different job, like the angels have a different job. And remember how bad the disciples struggled before Jesus died on the cross and sent the Comforter. Remember how much they hid out. But when the Holy Spirit came on them and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they were unstoppable. So Jesus is saying, it's better I go away. So what a privilege to live in the church age. God doesn't dispatch an angel necessarily every time. He comes personally himself. Our comfort is no longer outward but inward, the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean he doesn't send angels. I'm saying that we've got something much better than having to depend on the angel of the Lord to come. We've got the Lord who visits us himself through his Holy Spirit. Acts 9.31, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. It multiplied. That's the early church, the very early early church age. So for the sake of time, uh, I don't think there's any more fill in the blank. I think we're at the end. Uh, I'm just going to give you a couple more scriptures. Uh, first, uh, our second Corinthians one, 3, verses three and four. First Corinthians chapter one, verses three and four. Um, Romans 15:4. i I'll read Romans 15:4. For whatsoever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So yes, the angels minister to us. Yes, we minister to the angels. But in the end of the story, God has given us the Holy Spirit. We are more than conquerors. And when we stand on his word that we have as our guide, playbook, and we let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us, the angels are there for the moral support, for the backup, for the the power of God to interact in our lives when, when it's beyond us. When Branson's barreling down the road, cutting those corners, he may have the Spirit of God being able to speak truth when it's needed. He can lay hands on and heal. He can do all these things, but he's just a little bit too weak to be able to keep that so many ton van upright when he's making a bad decision, right? And so so the angels are there to support. But we, we shouldn't live in fear because we have everything within us, Holy Spirit, to be able to be more than conquerors. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this time to to um, really look at uh, how we interact with the angels. God, that we know that tonight, Lord, the pressure's on because um, if they are truly sitting in here with us, then I've been talking about them. And, you know, maybe they even saw a few weeks back when I advertised on social media that we're talking about angels. And they said, hey, let's go see what they're going to say about us. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's, it's so much fun in some ways, God, to explore your kingdom and uh, what has happened and what is on the way and to just think about the intriguing mysterious uh, things which you have done through your angels lord i thank you for them and for your love enough for us to send them as as helpers at times and that god that you you have created a curiosity in them that they they want to see us interacting with you and lord i just pray that we'd be cognizant that we are always being watched that Not in a way to be fearful, but Lord, to be encouraged uh, to always fight on. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.